people have been conditioned to be fearful of an enemy and they're always thinking that it's the government that'll save them from this enemy. Uh, if it's climate change, uh, the climate's going to ruin us, or if it's the virus that's going to ruin us, or if it's terrorists that are going to ruin us, this is, um, you know, so people have just always been conditioned to fear something. And this is no different, mate. Athletes have been dropping left, right, and center. So, like, what chances do these kids have? That's where I'm at. That's where I'm asking. The, the, what we should be asking is, is this. You're, you're spot on because if we are seeing hundreds all over the world, hundreds of thousands of adults having adverse reactions, and then we're also seeing thousands of adults dying, the dosage that they're going to give children doesn't change. The vaccine, is the jab is still the jab. So that's what's concerning. So are the children getting the same dosage as the adults are getting that have suffered these adverse reactions or even died? That is what the most alarming thing is because obviously their immune systems aren't as, as strong as an adult's. Their bodies aren't, aren't as strong as an adult. So how is it going to affect them? This is what is really alarming. And like you said, mate, we, we saw today, we've heard of our first death and then we're going to hear a lot of information. Oh, he had under, he or she um, had underlying health conditions. Uh, it was a reaction because of something else and it wasn't related to that. And they'll spin it any way they like. And here's the scary part, right? When I had uh, Robert Malone on, he took his uh, Moderna shot ages ago like at the start of the pandemic and he explained um, what he did. The Moderna that they've brought in that is apparently for these kids, they're actually twice as strong as Pfizer. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Just proves my point. Like they're not even, they're not even equating the dosage for, for the children. So someone, like, let's take me. I'm 44 years old. I weigh 110 kilos. Okay, I go and I get a shot or two shots or now it's three shots. Okay, I, that same dosage they've given a 44-year-old male that weighs 110 kilos, that same dosage, if not double now in the Moderna, is going to be given to a child that is, say, five years old, male or female, weighs probably 25, 30 kilos. And they're going to receive the same dosage, if not more. How are people seeing this, brother? How are people not seeing this? I, I don't get it. And it, it's 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 really hard. As a parent, you know, I'm a father now of two. It's just I just can't believe it. And seeing parents brag about it on social media like it's a badge of honor. I'm now taking my my children to get their first shot and they've got all big smiles and they're wearing their masks and you know they're showing their band-aid on their arm. It's it honestly it's child abuse. No other word for it. Do you do you think they just don't know? Like what what do you think the from their end and their side? What what is it that's is it just 
psychosis, like they can't see it. They, they, they don't know it's an experiment. Like what, what, from your point of view, what do you think is going through these parents' heads when they, their children have been fine for two years, they've been fine coming into this Omicron variant. And now suddenly when the, when the government says snap of a finger, all right, go get your children jabbed. They, they just run and do it. Let me just inject right here real quick. Now, before we get to Max's answer, I just want to say this show is brought to you by LoanOptions.ai. LoanOptions.ai. Go to LoanOptions.ai slash 58, F-I-V-E, the number eight. Whatever loan that you need, these guys will help you. They're Australian-based, Sydney-based actually, and they're, they're a great team. Loanoptions.ai slash five eight. Put in your details, say how much you want. And they because they already do business with these lenders, they don't just pawn you off and say, look, this is what you can get from this guy. This is what you can get from this guy. No, you select which one you want and they'll help you throughout the process of acquiring that loan. For me, Look to start a business. Look to develop yourself and back yourself. Now let's get back to Max answer. Loanoptions.ai. Like what what is in their minds? What is their what's their points of view? I think what's happening here is first of all, you're gonna get parents that went and got their uh, their jabs and they may have got it for different reasons. They, they believed it will keep them safe or they needed to for their job that have now drawn the line at children. So you've got, a, 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 I think, a, a good collection of parents that have said, right, no way, enough is enough. And that's, that's fantastic. But we've still got a large proportion of parents that have succumbed to the last two years of brainwashing, and that's all it is. They have been, we have been conditioned slowly, slowly. It started two years ago where, you know, we heard about this, this, this virus and then, you know, they started talking about the jabs and, and how to keep safe and they, they, you know, the press conferences and the six o'clock news and how many people have died. Every day for two years, this just conditions people to then just wait there like, lapdogs for their orders from the government. And what's happened is people have become self-regulating now. They're auto-regulating. As soon as the government snaps its fingers, people will just jump and do whatever the government says. This is a process that has taken a long time. Two years, the last two years, it was really ramped up. But let's be honest, it's probably something that I believe started 20 years ago. We've gone through a period in, in society especially in Australia, where we've gone through a period where people once upon a time, they struggled. And if they wanted something, they had to work for it. They had to save. It wasn't easy to come by alone. Whereas we've been made to believe that life should be really comfortable. We don't really have to work for something. If we want it, we can have it now. We can have it instantly. People are in debt. Now, when you have people in so much debt with, with credit card, personal loans, mortgages, car finances, and they're used to this life of luxury. And all they know they have to do is just work Monday to Saturday, both parents send the kids to school and they can continue to have this life 
they don't want it disrupted and they're scared that if they don't do what the government tells them to do, they're going to lose this. And I believe this is where the government has people by the throat because people are in debt, extreme amounts of debt, and people are are just now, they, they don't know, you know, they're fearful for losing their jobs, they're fearful for losing their homes, so they just feel if we keep complying and doing what the government tells us, we'll be okay. Uh, that's where I believe we, we've headed. And I think it started over 20 years ago. It, it's People are just too comfortable and people don't want that disrupted. And I want to get into Reclaim and how, how you, you know, started uh, the movement and uh, this weekend as well. 20 years ago is quite a specific date. Like what do you think is the starting sort of starting point that you see was the was the catalyst to this? I think for Australia specifically, it was probably the turn of the century around the Olympics, the time we got the Olympics and we wanted to be on the world stage. We wanted to be an international city. Uh, things, things did start to change. But perhaps more specifically, I'd probably pinpoint it to September 11, uh, where we saw that... Something that we had never seen before of my generation had never seen before. That was so, um, you know, depending on what your view is on it, some people have different theories on it. I've got my view on it. I think that was really the turning point. And that's when, and, and you hear them say it, you hear them say, this is post September 11 or pre September 11 world, post September 11, the new world order. It all stemmed around that period there. And then, you know, we, we, that is when we started to really have the invisible threats. We had the, the threat of terrorism. I'm not saying terrorism is, isn't real. It, it, it did happen. Um, we, had, we had the threat of the climate changing. First it was global warming, then it was climate change. Um, you, know, you know, we've had other threats, other viruses come along. We've had the Zika virus, swine flu. We've had Ebola. Um, you know, we've had MERS. And now we've had... We've had uh, COVID. So people have been conditioned to be fearful of an enemy and they're always thinking that it's the government that'll save them from this enemy. Uh, if it's climate change, uh, the climate's going to ruin us or if it's the virus that's going to ruin us or if it's terrorists that are going to ruin us. This is, um, you know, so people have just always been conditioned to fear something and this is no different, mate. And getting getting a little into your background, let's let's discuss that a little bit. So, um, do you want to break down how you started reclaim the line and um, and how it's you know how it's grown to the amazing movement that it is? Last time yep. we covered it, there was there was a load of people there even before. Now it's now it's Australia wide, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And look, I have to give credit. I'm a co-founder to of reclaim the line. Reclaim the line. Um, look, I'll take you back. My, my background prior to all of this, I was involved in weightlift. I was a weightlifting um, strength and conditioning coach and a boxing coach. And that was it. Five years ago, I became a teacher and that was short-lived because then the government mandated that all teachers needed to get a, um, a jab. I said, no way. Um, mind you, I became a, a science teacher, biology teacher. So, you know, studied viruses and uh, jabs and, and I just said, no way. 
So look, I just started putting out videos. I called them the halftime speech. Um, I had no platform. I had no intention to be the face of anything. I had no intention to be famous or whatever. You know, I don't even or be a leader. Uh, I no social media. I just put out these videos on WhatsApp groups, and uh, yeah, look, they just took off. And it was prior to October the first. Pretty much half the country was in lockdowns, and um, a group of frontline workers, there was some teachers, there was some nurses, some fireys, some cops uh, that were all on the same wavelength. And we just thought we need to do something. So we organised what was called Reclaim the Line. We called it a strike, uh, October the 1st. We knew it was dangerous because literally you weren't allowed to, to protest, especially in Sydney after July 24th. But we thought, you know what, um, we're going to run with it. And we had the theme, everyone just wear white. We called it Reclaim the Line. And look, it um, we had locations all over the country. Uh, they were secret locations until the day because of the, the the climate that it was. You weren't allowed to protest. And now, five months later, here we are. Yeah, we've got rallies all over the country now. And, you know, collectively, we get tens of thousands of people showing up. But I think um, I think Australia was ready. Australia was ready for, for serious protesting. They, they had an appetite for it. So, look, if it wasn't us, it would have been someone someone else. And I always give credit to the people before us, the freedom fighters, if we call them that, um, before us. You know, there was Worldwide Rally for Freedom was going, Millions March was going. Um, I used to um, follow Australians versus the agenda um, and so many other channels. So I'm not the first and I, and I won't be the last. Um, and... I always have to give credit as well, mate, to, you know, mums and dads, mums and dads that have been in this for years, that have been fighting for, for their children and you know, people like yourself too. You know, anyone that does anything, if it's organised rallies or have podcasts or have Facebook and Instagram pages, whatever it is, everyone's trying to fight this at their level. They're doing a great job. Um, and look, mate, we know, you know, the politics come into it here and there, but I don't get involved. I just um just try and stay above board because the cause is bigger than any one personality the cause is bigger than our egos the cause is bigger than all of us uh, like i said i just think of my children i think of you know my grandchildren one day um and that's that's what's important to me but mate can i just tell you what my moment of truth really was i'll tell you yeah, what my moment of truth really was and you may remember this brother about a year and a half ago, outside New South Wales State Parliament House, there was a mother and she had, a, I think her son was about six years old. I was sitting at home. I think it was a Sunday. I was sitting at home, relaxing, watching TV. Life was good. I was comfortable. I had a job. And I saw a mother, I saw a footage of a, of a mother with a six-year-old outside New South Wales Parliament House. She was walking up and down outside Parliament House, not bothering anyone. She had a sign on her which was obviously a protest sign of some sort. And she was surrounded by about six cops and they dragged her son away from her arms, screaming and crying, the poor child. They dragged her away through in, a, in, in the back of a police van and arrested her and took her away and took her son away. And it was really horrible to watch. And that was my moment of truth because I thought here is a mother outside Parliament House fighting for our rights. This was during lockdowns. You weren't even allowed to protest. And there she was, this brave woman. And here I was sitting at home thinking, well, you know, nothing really affects me now. 
didn't kept my mouth shut. But when I saw that, mate, that was it. That was it. I couldn't, I couldn't hold back any longer. I thought, nah, what kind of a man would I be if I didn't speak up? And that was my moment of truth. And I always ask everyone, what is your moment of truth? What's your moment of truth? There's, there's got to be a moment of truth for, for each and every one of us. I couldn't agree. Yeah, that was that was hard to watch as well. And the uh, the guy in Borrell who owned an organic um, shop and police mm. smashed his head into oh. the van, uh, just an old bloke, just a, you know, just a business owner really for his community, hasn't done anything wrong. And yeah, there's been some like tough, tough moments, man. Um, even July 24th, I'm seeing still the repercussions of that. I got, um, they, you know, plastered me across channel nine saying that I was the alleged organizer for that. <laughs> and I agree with you. Anyone, anyone that's, you know, putting their foot forward, uh, putting their face forward, putting their name forward, fighting for, you know, people's rights, even if, if, even if the other people don't agree with them, um, they definitely deserve a lot of credit. And you got one coming up this Saturday, uh, the 15th, yeah? Yeah, mate, yeah. So Saturday's a big one. Um, Saturday's so 15th. For that one? What, so is it Alfred Park on, at 11 a.m. and then going that's, to Hyde Park? That's that it, right? yeah. For those, yep, brother, for those in Sydney, it's uh, we're starting at Prince Alfred Park at 11 a.m. We're going to meet there. And then we're marching to Hyde Park. So the stage and everything will be set up at Hyde Park. Uh, so basically, for those that attended the last Sydney one, we're just doing it in reverse. Um, so where we ended up at the last one, we're starting there. It's Prince Alfred Park. It's not far from Central Station. And we're marching up. We're marching into the city. We're reclaiming the city. We'll march into Hyde Park. That's where everything will be set up. We've got some speakers. Um, and we look, we encourage everyone to come along. We always encourage people to wear white. That's just our, our theme. Um, but bring your flags, bring your banners, bring your signs, bring family. Um, and this is really aimed at giving the kids a voice uh, because, you know, what started today was just something I never thought I'd see in this country, to be honest. And we know that, you know, kids have a schedule um, of jabs, you know, from when they're born. But this one was completely unnecessary. And look, I ask any doctor, you know, and as you've had, um, you know, doctors on your show, uh, even when I spoke to Dr. Peter McCullough, the one thing he asks is, is it safe? Is it effective? And is it necessary? And when you can't answer those, and when the answer is no, why the hell are we giving it to children? Now, if you're an adult, you should know enough now to make your own mind up. But my God, why give it to children? That, that, that's just, that just astounds me. Yeah, me too, man. It, it really, it's, it's a sad point really. Cause they don't need it. Like they don't, they don't need it at all. Um, what's the bill like you, so you've, you get the speakers on, you had, a, it was a, it, like amazing speakers last time. Who's, who's on this, this time around. Um, so we've got, we, this time around, so we've got, um, we've got Primod coming. Um, we've got Dean Gladstone from Bondi Rescue. We've got Evelyn Ray. Uh, I've got Fighting Father Dave as well. We've also got um, Gay Cameron. She's a, the political um, candidate for uh, Cook. Now, the reason why we asked her to come along is because she's a big advocate for what we're doing, but also she's running against ScoMo in his seat um, of Cook. So we want her to come along and, and speak to the audience. 
And um, look, you know, and then we just, we're going to have just some mums and dads speaking, you know, we, we're not, we don't want people to be famous and or influencers or, or anyone else, you know, but if you say to me, look, Mac, I'd love to get up and say a few words. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I'll be emceeing uh, the, the the event. But this is for the people. This is the people. We you know we, we we want the people to speak. We want the people to have voices. We love the people. Love when we start when they start chanting. It kind of feel makes them feel empowered. It feels like they're uh, they're not isolated. And you know, I want to make the point is mate is that people say, well. What are these protests doing? Nothing's changing. They're useless. You know, I, I hear that all the time and I disagree because you think how many people have united? How many people have come out? How many people have built their tribes? So many people now are feeling more empowered to stand up and speak up. And they know that they can come to these protests and they're not isolated. Once upon a time, if you went to a protest, you were considered like a nut job or a conspiracy theorist or a tinfoil hat wearing um, loony. Whereas, you know, or an anti, whatever, it, it's no longer like that. These are just ordinary Australians coming out, uniting, being together. And I ask people, well, the, the, the politicians may not change. We're not going to change their mind. But what we are doing is we're making them very nervous and we're pushing back. And we've changed. I've changed. I never would have attended a protest. But my mindset has changed. And that's what we expect when everyone turns up, that they change, they learn something about themselves. So it's not just about protesting so the politicians change their mind. That ain't going to happen. But, mate, I'll tell you what, if we hadn't done what we've done in the last five months, and even going back to July 24th, you know, politicians, they take notice of that and they realise the people aren't happy, they get nervous, and we, and we resist. We've put up one hell of a fight, and I reckon if we didn't do what we've done, since since July 24th, this agenda would have ramped up a lot quicker. But we've held them at bay and we've got to keep coming. And I, I spoke to Michael Sims just the other day and I, I put that same sentiment forward uh, regarding uh, people coming. They they make groups, they feel heard. You know, some people, some people, I know people that have been taken out of their family will over yeah. this. It's <laughs> Outrage! Like parents will say, you can't come over unless you've, you know, you've been jabbed because they feel one of their family members will will die, and these protests allow people to, you know, meet with each other as you they create their own unique little tribes, meet people that are like minded, and it's yep. it's massive for mental health, for mental health, for me these. These hold up not only on the political end, but on the connectivity end as well. Um, regarding mm-hmm. Michael Sims, they're having one on the fifteenth as well. And um, yeah. what what do you think about of uh, regarding that one? What's happening Look, over in Canberra on the fifteenth? Yeah, and it's funny you mention it because last night we all hopped on a Zoom with Michael Sims and a few other people, and they were encouraging. Um, you know, they were just looking for ways and initiatives and what can be done. Um, I, I've i always encouraged if anyone has any initiative, like anyone has any, any kind of initiative. Yeah. I, just, just to, yep. Yeah. I don't mean that in a, in a negative sense, I will, just to, just to address it so we can let the people know ahead of time because 
it seems like when there's, you know, when there's these mixed protests and then people say you're not supporting this group, you're not supporting that group. Like you said, you you spoke to them on a Zoom yesterday. So hmm. just to address it in that sense, I'm not bringing it up from a negative point of view either. No, no, for sure, for sure, brother, for sure. I The way I see things is everyone's going to resonate with different things and people are going to feel more comfortable in doing um, one thing over another. What they've got going, what they've created, it's fantastic. Um, and, you know, I encourage people, if they feel a calling to, to that, uh, they should they should attend that. Um, my, my sentiments were, said, look, we've, we're six days out from Reclaim the Lime. We've organised 22 locations around the country. A lot of people have gone into a big effort in organising speakers and stage and sound and uh, police permits to pull the rug from them, um, to get everyone down to, to Canberra, uh, it's probably going to be very difficult to do and it could actually damage the movement. But we've got a location in Canberra which we're actually going to be encouraging for them to uh, to head there as well, you know, so make that part of the, the procession. And realistically, some people probably can't, for whatever their family circumstances, can't get to um, get to Canberra. But we will show them our support um, from where we are and and all over the place. Uh, And I believe that we need to attack this from so many different angles. So we need need what's happening in in Canberra. We need Reclaim the Lime. We need so many attacks. Um, That's how wars are won. They're not just one on one front in an open field. They're fought everywhere. And I believe we are in in a spiritual war. Um, And this is how we're going to do it. So. Uh, yeah, look, I, I've, I encourage them and I've I've supported everything, mate. Yesterday in Sydney, in Hyde Park, I went to a protest. I was asked to go. Um, I went and it wasn't anything big. There was no influencers there, so to speak. It was just a, a there was probably maybe five, six hundred people, maybe a little bit more. But I don't care. I'll I'll attend. I'll go. I don't need the um the big stage and, and anything like that. I'll support all causes, big and small. And uh, that's just my philosophy on it. Yeah, I saw Craig Kelly did a speech yesterday uh, as well. Where, where? Because I'm not a massive political person. You know what I mean? I don't fully understand uh, politics to to the extent a lot of others do. And it's amazing. Everyone, like you said, everyone plays their role. Where, where are you leaning with the politics of this country? <laughs> Mate, look, I'm like you. Um, look, prior to all of this, up to 2019, uh, I used to vote Liberal. Uh, you know, I just, uh, I didn't like them. I didn't like any of them, but I voted Liberal. Uh, to be honest, now I would not vote for any of the major parties ever, Labor, Liberal, Greens. I always looked at myself as um, perhaps a conservative, you know, as your Senate, family man kept to myself. Um, Now, I don't really believe any political party is going to come and save us. Uh, And look, if Craig Kelly can, um, and and Clive Palmer and their party, if they can get get out there and and make a change and make things happen, great. I'll support them. No issues at all. If if it's someone else, it might be Rod Cullerton's Gap Party or whatever. I'm I'm all for it. If If they're on the side of the people, 
then by all means. But I truly believe deep down inside it's going to take the actual Australian, the individual, not to rely on other people or political parties to save them. They've got to save themselves. You've got to, we've got to get back to building communities, being in touch with our communities. This country needs to do a lot of healing because there's a massive divide at the moment. And it started in the last two years when the government was asking us to dob on our neighbours. And then it started telling us, well, if you're not jabbed, you can't you know, associate with these people and, and so on. So there's a lot of healing that needs to be done. And I don't think any of our leaders or any of the political parties are going to do that. Sure, some political parties are on, uh, perhaps on our side. So look, at the moment, UAP, great. Yeah, they seem to be on our side. One Nation, they seem to be on our side. Um, Ricardo Bossi, A1, they seem to be on our side. Now, they may have had policies years ago, which I didn't agree with, which I didn't like. Um, but now they're on our, um, you know, they're, they're fighting for the Australian people. I'll give them a chance. But as soon as um, as soon as they burn us, well, we we got to vote them out. Uh, look, and and I'll be honest, Matt. I've I've met Craig Kelly at the at the rallies. Uh, I've been on podcasts with him. Um, I I'm not going to judge him. I've I've got no issues with him. I I, I really don't. I, and I, I very rarely judge anyone or criticise anyone. I'm going to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, um, you know. And he was he was criticised because of the way he he held his hands at a rally um, in Clive Palmer's shoes. Mate, I, I get called a Freemason all the time. There's a photo of me with my grandfather at his local lodge, dressed in a tuxedo, um, you know. So I'm I'm part of the Illuminati now, apparently. But <laughs> I ain't there. I've got nothing to hide. But I just think, yeah, you know, people are always going to look for something to divide everyone. Um, man, we've just got to, we just got to just know who the real enemy is, guys. The real enemy is in front of us. You know, it's not beside us; it's in front of us. I that's it's funny you say that. I put a uh, I put a post on the Telegram because we're we're looking at different ways to present the show and get people, you know, more included and for them to ask a question. And one of like one of them was that ask you if you're a Freemason. <laughs> Yeah. But I, no, I'm not. I, I get that on all the um, I get that on all the podcasts. Why? Why does? Why does it come up? They they've they've put a even a lodge number for you, and they've yeah. got two two eight four lodge number. Ask him if he's a Freemason and all this stuff. Yeah. Can you just dead this so this can be just over and done with? Yeah, mate. I, I do it all the time. So that was my my um. So that was my grandfather's lodge. So, so look, one thing people got to understand in, in Australia, especially after the war, Freemasonry was massive. Everyone's grandfather or great-grandfather or even father had joined their local lodge. So every suburb had a lodge. Once a month, men would get together. They would, um, you know, they would tell stories. They'd have a dinner. They'd organise some charities. And my grandfather was a part of his local one, um, which is – they have a number two eight four, and um, you know they 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 go through like recitals and and things like that. And so then my grandfather passed away about four years ago, and before he died, um, he was very he was sick. He asked me to accompany him and help him attend and drive him there, which I did. It was around the corner, it was in an old hall, so. Um, Matt, and that was it. And then, yeah, I, I, I would take him. They'd have a meal. 
And then they are, they took, it's one photo, basically. They took one photo. Um, and, you know, my, my grandfather's there. They put it on their Facebook page. So it can't be too secretive if they've, if they've got a Facebook page. And that was it. That was about four or five years ago. And obviously when you go, you've got to put your name down. And um, that's what that number relates to. That's their number of their lodge. It's a local lodge in Sydney's inner west. And um, that was it. Then four years later, this photo popped up um, right on the day of the very first Reclaim the Line. And it's, it's, yeah, it's been trolling ever since. But uh, I think people have this misconception. They think, oh, you know, you're, you're part of a secret society or you're, you're controlled opposition or you're part of the Illuminati. And it's like, look, guys, you know, I'm sure your father or grandfather or someone will know someone that was part of their local lodge. It's like a Lions Club or a Rotary Club. Um, and look, Matt, I agree. At, at the highest level, who knows what the hell is going on up there, you know, but at the highest level of every institution, the Vatican, um, the banking industry, I'm sure at the highest level, mate, there's some weird and shady stuff that yeah, you don't want to be a part of. Um, but, mate, that's that, that's pretty much – I wish there was more to it. I wish there was more of a story and, and, and I knew about, you know, conspiracy theories, but that's it. Yeah, it's annoying when I, I, I see it a lot and what I've realised is that overseas they have this as well where the, everyone gets called this control opposition thing. It's like a – it's a – the whole term shield, the whole grabbing things that are very old and trying to make something out of it to discredit people, it's – what I don't understand is it, it doesn't really benefit anyone. If if someone's out there and, and you're doing something and you're doing something on the front line, you're putting these major events on that take a lot of time, take a lot of effort, grabbing all of those stages, like stage setup, getting the speakers, the speakers itself, Organizing all of that is a—it's a lot of work, and I don't—I don't, I don't see, understand an, an end goal of grabbing a lot of historic things and and bringing it to the forefront. Like for me, they grabbed a—I went on a podcast with uh, this guy called Hillbilly, right? And yeah. uh, so this guy contacts me, um, come on a podcast. I'm like, yeah, of course, I'll come on a podcast, and. Then suddenly uh, there's, there's I, I shouldn't have been on that podcast. It's like, well, what do you, like, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't, I don't know the end goal. And do you see people bringing all of this old stuff up and then to the front, like out, outside of yourself, do you see it across the board with other people as well? Yeah, they, they do. And I think people do it because for a number of reasons. Number one, they're scared. Number two, they don't know who to trust anymore. Mm. Number three, people like to blame someone. People yeah. always want someone to blame. And the thing is, when you blame someone, you disempower yourself. And, and why I always say to people, stop blaming everyone else. Start, start pointing the finger back at you and saying, well, what can I do? Rather than pointing the finger at someone and saying, he's, he's a Freemason or he's a, an extreme right wing whatever, or you know, he shouldn't have gone on that podcast. But I could say the same thing to every single trial that attacks me, I could say the same thing to them about 
walking into a Catholic church. Did you attend a Catholic school? Did you attend a Catholic church? Do you go to church? Does that make you an associate of all the pedophile priests that have been caught and arrested and even the ones that haven't? Does that make you a pedophile? Does that make you a, 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 a satanic worshiper? Because, you know, who knows what happens at the highest level of the Vatican? No, it doesn't. Now, we, we've heard of institutional corruption even in the banks. When you go to your local branch, just because you go to your local Commonwealth Bank, and we know that there's been institutional corruption at the Commonwealth Bank at the highest level, does that make you complicit in it? No, it, it's it's a stretch. So, and this is what I try and say to people, just stop. The, the, because the more you do this, you're actually disempowering yourself. You're not doing the movement any favours. The government loves this. They love this division. And if it wasn't the Freemasons, it, it would have been something else. You know, like, mate, 10 years ago, I was on a reality TV show. Um, I was... The, what? I, yeah. You're, you're on a reality TV show? Yeah, I was on Channel 9. Yeah, I was on a... Um, yeah. It's called Excess. Yeah. It was in 2012. It was called Excess Baggage. And it was like Celebrity Biggest Loser. It was Channel 9's version. I was the trainer. And Kate Sobrano was the host. So for, um, wow. yeah, and there was like, there were celebrities like Dippo was on there and AJ and AJ Rochester and uh, a few others. Yeah. Mate, and it, it only lasted one season. I think Scooby-Doo rated better than us. But anyway, it was a flop. <laughs> Scooby-Doo's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Scooby-Doo's pretty um, good. <laughs> yeah, so it was a flop. But, you know, and I, I was on reality TV. I had a bit of... um. I was on some magazine covers as well, you know, back when I was younger and fitter. And, like, mate, I asked myself, why aren't they trolling me on that? Because there's plenty of better photos out there than that one. Come and troll me on that, please. At least I had 15 minutes of, of D-grade fame. Um, and there's some good shots of me when I was on the cover of Men's Health and that. Like, troll me on that, but they don't. But if perhaps if the Freemason stuff didn't exist, they they you know they would have come out with with something else. I, I don't know, but it's uh, mate, just a time waster. It's just a time waster. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I think people need to find better ways to spend their time to support uh, rather than tear things down. That's that's a hundred percent. Are you are you still on diets and that? How's how's your diet um, going? Look, man, remember my last podcast, I was discussing a lot about diet, but it sounds yeah, like yeah. it was just a left wing, like left out of the blue question. But um, yeah. No, how, no, how, mate. How look, I um look, you know, when I'm when I was in full training and wherever I'm at, I probably I weighed about a hundred kilos, you know, and I, I, I didn't really diet as such. I just was very mindful. I ate everything, but I was just very mindful of what I ate. I trained, I wasn't fanatical. Because uh, I believe that you know we've still got to live. Uh, now I'm about 110 kilos, so a little bit heavier. Haven't been able to train as much. But in saying that, when this whole thing started, when I got into it last year in August, I was 123 kilos. So just naturally by default, by being in this this movement, I've lost about 13 kilos. Um, just because, yeah, you know, st stress, not eating as much. But what I do now, mate, is I. I've really changed my mindset when it comes to food and eating because I've been in a lot of third world countries and I've seen a lot of kids starving and there's kids that die every day through starvation. There's families that can't even afford to eat. And I used to think, you know, I used to yeah be picky with food and, and, and be fussy and, you know, I'm not going to eat carbs and all this 
But when there are people out there just wishing that they could just eat anything. And um, I thought, no, I'm not going to be one of these people that puts so much emphasis on what they eat when there are people out there that can't even put food on the table. Um, so I, I, that, that, that's my mindset now more than anything. So if all there is to eat is a bag of chips, um, mate, I'll, I'll eat it. I'm not going to say, no, no, I'm not going to eat that because I'm going to put on weight or anything like that. Um, that's, that's how I look at life now. That's you got me feeling bad by doing carnival <laughs> diet here, mate. Like, <laughs> no, you can. It's World Carnival Month, so you can. It's okay. Uh, there we go. There we go, Mac. I just want to um, finish with some questions that was put forward uh, when I put it on the Telegram group. Uh, what um, some people wanted to ask you. Um, yeah. So I'll just grab one here. Um, how could doctors live with fake medicine based on fear and mandates and abandon real medicine, which is based on informed consent? That was a question for you. Mate, doctors have been, for years now, doctors have been bought out. They've been, they've sold out. And anyone that says, when doctors come out and say, oh, we, we don't get any kickbacks or we don't get any commission from the pharmaceutical companies, well, they don't need to. They're, they're already bought out. Um, Doctors just want to protect their registration. Mate, they are a cash cow. You go into any suburb of Australia, you walk into any doctor's surgery, any medical centre, any GP, they are just packed. People just put out their Medicare card, 15-minute consultations, they get $70, whatever they get. It's just a cash cow. You honestly think they're going to jeopardise that? They're being told exactly what to do, what to charge, don't get me wrong. There's a there's a lot of good doctors out there that have actually given up their registration because they don't agree with what's going on. But mate, a lot of them are just um, they've just been bought out. And you know we know we know that doctors were getting extra for handing out the jab. So when they charge for Medicare for a consultation, when when someone came in to get a jab, doctors were getting like an extra twenty dollars on top of their normal consultation. Per dose. So I think on top of their normal consultation for the two doses, it worked out to be an extra $53 or something. So, mate, you know, they're not going to want to let that go. Now, here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize doctors were told by APRA or, and, and, and Medicare that if someone came to their surgery or to their, to their practice and wanted to get the jab, and then they had second thoughts and they needed to think about it a little bit more, that doctor could have charged and put it through as a jab consultation. So they would have got that extra uh, that, that extra fee. Now, if that person then comes back one or two weeks later and then says, right, thanks, doc, I'm ready now to get the first jab, bang, doctor puts it through again. Let's say in a month's time they come for their second jab and again, they're having second thoughts, I'm a little bit sick, and the doctor talks to them about it, he can put that through as if he's given the administered the jab. Now, let's say that person comes back a week later, yep, I'm no longer feeling anxious, thank you, I'm ready, bang, puts it through. But it's a cash cow, it's happening. So, you know, it's, it's money for nothing. They've sold out. And it, yeah, and it's sick that they have, and we we've got doctors and GPs actually admit this as well. Um, yeah. Another question that I have here for you: 
Um, is there a possibility of a general strike in a state to force the government to retreat? Do you believe there's ever a possibility that this would happen? This is something Ricardo Bossi called for, I believe. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's what we need. We need we need a nationwide strike. You know, and it may just start with a state strike, but that is what we need. We need, I'll tell you now, brother, all it'll take is one week, one week for everyone to say no. Don't go to work. Don't open up your shops. Truck drivers have to just stop supplying the supermarkets. People just got to stop complying. Don't wear the masks. Don't check in. All it takes is one week where everyone just stops, goes on strike. Not even, not construction, not essential workers, nothing. Just stop. This will all be over. This will all be over. The problem is, and I said this before, too many Australians are very comfortable with the life the government has laid out for them. You've only got people like us, our, on our side, it's probably only about, what, 20%, 30% the population. I, I know that's a lot, but still, a lot of people don't want to rock the boat. I think there's a – would we collapse if that happens? How would that work? Oh, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah, mate. In, in a week's time, the, the, you think about it, the supply chain of food and fuel, if you cut that off for one week – it'll be it, it there'd be a major collapse and people just didn't go to work you, you couldn't get through like medic um you know call centers for example uh supermarkets weren't open but mate, there's, there's there's too much money like you think about it the businesses that were allowed to remain um, open during lockdown do you honestly think they would close bunnings harvey norman chemist warehouse coles woolies all the big guns, all the ones that spend big money on political donations and TV advertising, do you honestly think they would do that? They, they're happy to go with the government agenda because they always get a get-out-of-jail card. They always get a free pass. The media, the government gave the media a tax benefit over the last 12 months because, because of COVID. So what do you think the they media's going to do? They got all their money back. That's right. That's right. And the last one here that I have for you, mate, and uh, before I let you go, um, is let's see, we go. Let's pick one that's relevant to our time right now. Food shortages. There you go. Someone asked uh, your thoughts on food shortages. Now, my understanding is that these we're having a shortage of drivers. We're not having a f- shortage of food. What's what's your yeah. um, understanding on your end? Yeah, hundred percent agree. Look, the, the, we don't have a food shortage. We've got a supply chain disruption. So shortage of drivers. Um, that's that's probably where the food shortages are coming from. There's been a bit of panic buying as well. Uh, look, again, I'm not a fan of stocking up and, and hoarding food because I just believe yeah. if I'm doing that, someone else is going without. And it's usually the poor old pensioner that can't get to the supermarket in time to get the food. So we, we don't stock up. We just do our normal shop. Um, and if there's food there that we want, we'll buy it. If there isn't, we'll look for something else. Um, 
And we, we just don't believe in, my family and I, we don't believe in, in stocking up. Mate, look, I, I don't know. People have different faiths, but I always just felt that um, God will provide. So that's that's the way we see it. Yeah, because I went to local markets seem to have food at hand. I, I went to yeah. my local grocers and there was plenty of food there. And then when you go to Woolworths or Coles, that's when you see some shelves being empty. And yeah, I, I don't really support people going out and spending all of their money on uh, food and then, it, you know, maybe they don't eat it. It goes to waste. It's yeah, I feel it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a distraction, um, and I do agree with you. I, I do think it's a supply chain issue for sure, and yeah, yeah I think go along. Well, will unite us have you, have you thought about that because lately i've been thinking get to that they um they got two jabs just to keep their jobs but they're seeing that this booster they they don't really they don't really want it and a lot of people are that way and to me, I don't think it's a great idea just to shun these people off and ridicule them or or laugh at them for caving in in the first in the first instance. I think that's um, you know handing it to what the bigger plan is. How can we, or have you had any thoughts about unity and how the um, we can come together? Yeah, look, it's a good point. I'm not a fan of calling people sheep and I've probably done it I'm guilty of it I'm, I've probably said it in one of my halftime speeches um I'm you know I probably should think about it a bit more and maybe not judge people like that and call them sheep and um because you're right there are a lot of people that were forced to take it um to keep their jobs you know I know mums single mums with three kids that literally were paying rent they had no choice you know so who am I to judge them or call them sheep and like I said I've, I've probably done it and um I apologize and I should I shouldn't do it uh, we we need everyone on side. We need everyone on side. And I, I believe there's probably a 30% of the population that we're never going to have on our side. But I still think there's this large majority in the middle that are in two minds or they had to get it. We've got to extend our hand out to them. We've got to tell them, look, um, we're not here to judge you. You may discriminate against us or you have to do what you had to do, but that's okay. We're not here to judge you. We're here to just support you. And, um, you know, welcome them with, with open arms. We should probably look at changing our, our language, uh, you know, and, and um, how we talk about these people because, yeah, who, who are we to judge on their decisions? Different story if they just come and throw it in our faces and, and try and brainwash us and, and then that's, no, you've got every right to stand up for yourself and tell them to back off and, and call them whatever you like as long as you're not... Um, being racist or inciting any violence. Um, but we definitely, the country does need a lot of healing. And it's not just based around the jab. It's it's based around the fact that we had neighbours that have been neighbours for years, dobbing on each other. We had, like you said, people have been left out of their family will. It's going to take a lot of courage and it's going to take the bigger person to just rise above that and say, right, 
I've got to put all of that behind me and, like I said, extend a, a hand of friendship out to these other people. Yeah, well put and completely agree with that. Uh, have you have you been hit with censorship at all? Mate, look, I probably have. Um, again, I'm only now, only recently in the last couple of months I got on Instagram. Um, I'm not on Facebook. So all I all I ever really was on was, was Telegram. And no, there was no censorship on Telegram, but on Instagram there's I'm probably shadow banned. Uh, I know I can't people can't tag me or I can't tag people, something like that. So that tells me that, yeah, they've, they've uh, flagged me. Um, Man, I've had, I've had the police at my door a um, couple of times. Uh, this was, you know, in the early days uh, for, you know, organizing the rallies. Um, but that, that's probably it. You know, Matt, I, look, I don't create division. Um, I don't incite any violence. I've never incited any racism uh, or anything like that. I don't swear. You'll never hear me swear in one of my speeches. I always just try and keep everything above board. And yeah, if I get censored, well, I get censored. Um, Why do you choose to stay off Facebook particularly? Um, Look, I just, I didn't want it on my phone for starters. They just seem to know everything about you. And I just thought, what's the point? Like everyone you speak to is just getting barred off Facebook or or they're in Facebook jail. Um, And even on Instagram, it won't be long probably till they really just shut me down. But I thought I'll I'll give it a go. Um, But all I really do is just put everything out on Telegram because that's that's where it seems to be the safest. Yeah, I'm banned on Facebook for – they got me – get this. They said you may have used our systems in a way that is considered unusual. They said you may post again in 17,426 days, which was like 47 years. I'm like, righto, righto, 47 years. Mac, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, man. And um, thank you. I want to actually thank you for what you do. Uh, it, it's a lot, a lot of work, mate. And I remember being on a Zoom chat with you a little while ago um, right. with Lerpa, uh Uncle Max yep. was on there as well, uh, Romeo, mm-hmm. a few of the yep. guys. It was, it was amazing. You've been doing, um, you've been putting your neck out there, man, and in a big way. So I commend you for the, you know, the successes in bringing people together and um, the continued work that you do. Um, so, yeah, amazing on that. Just let the people know where they can find you. And, um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Thanks, brother. And, yeah, look, thanks to you too, mate. You know, you, like I said, you've been there from the start and, you know, you've been in this before me. So thank you. Um, but, look, if anyone wants to find us, look, on Telegram, all you've got to do is type in reclaim the line or halftime speech. Um, you'll find us same on Instagram. If you type in reclaim the line or halftime speech, you'll find us. Um, but, but yeah, that's it.
Brother, it's been a pleasure and hopefully we do it in studio. We're going to go back to in studio this year if we're not completely locked down. Um, these these have been fun, but I really prefer face-to-face interviews. So hopefully we can do this face-to-face in future. Uh, that'll be amazing. We'd love to. Thanks, brother. Yeah.